Okay, we're gonna play a game today. I'm gonna say a famous quote, and you're going to tell me where it's from. This is the audience participation part, so yell it out in your living room. All right, ready? Here we go. Four score and seven years ago. Right, the Gettysburg Address. Okay, a little bit harder. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. No, not the Constitution, close. Yep, the Declaration of Independence. Okay, this one, a little bit more obscure, but I think you can do this, I believe in you. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. No? Somebody said it. A Tale of Two Cities, exactly. Which is a really boring book, it was a better movie, so watch the movie. Okay, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Right, everybody got that one. Star Wars, extra point if you said A New Hope. Okay, mirror, mirror on the wall, Snow White. Although some of you said juice, but you didn't want to say something about Lizzo in church. That's okay. All right, in the beginning, Genesis. Well, yes and no, because it's also how the Gospel of John starts. Listen to this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So in the very first line of the Gospel of John, John wants you to immediately think about Genesis, which starts in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And just like every single one of you got a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, every single Jewish person, everyone in John's audience, when they heard in the beginning went, God created the heavens and the earth. So John is starting his gospel this way intentionally to get you to connect it with this thought of Genesis and the very beginning. There are four gospels. And each of them has a specific emphasis. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all look at things just slightly differently because they're trying to contextualize the Jesus story for a unique group of people or a certain situation. Luke, for instance, is basically writing history. He wants to tell the historical narrative of what Jesus did and what the sequence of events were. Matthew is showing Jewish people how Jesus is the Messiah that they've been waiting for. Mark writes a drama. Mark wants to tell a very quick, action-packed story about primarily what Jesus does. There's very little teaching in Mark. John's Gospel is really trying to help us make sense of what's going on. John portrays Jesus, and he wants us to see that Jesus is the Son of God. And he wants us to see that this powerful God has made himself known in a specific way and so that we can have faith in him. That, that's what, what John is about. So whenever Jesus does or says something, John always tells us what the significance of that is. So for instance, John is the only gospel who talks about the signs. Jesus did this and that was a sign of that. 
John is the only gospel who, call, who has what's called the I am sayings, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the, the gate. I am, you know, the bread. So it goes on and on. John's trying to explain to us the significance of who Jesus is so that we can see his connection to the master plan of God. And to get the full picture of who Jesus is, John goes back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Every Jewish person knew those words, but John wants us to see the plan that God has and how that Jesus has always been part of the plan. And that Jesus, who John calls the word at this point, was not only there at the beginning, the word was with God, but the word was God. And that everything that was created was created by and for and through the word of God. So the, the plan that God has involved Jesus from the very beginning because Jesus was there. And this is, this is really the beginning of us understanding some Trinitarian uh, theology. We have this, this plan of God where God creates everything, it's good. The heavens and the earth, everything in it. He creates the Garden of Eden, puts a man and woman in it, and we have jobs and we're fulfilled and life is good. And he does that because God contains so much love in himself that he wanted to have an object to share his love with, and that's us. And as we often do, we kind of mess it up, and so things got broken. And God immediately goes into mode of fixing it. So all of a sudden, we have this plan of God redeeming us. We have God who created us, and now the plan of God shows God redeeming us, God reaching out to us, God entering into our stuff, that kind of God. And that's all involved in tying Jesus back to the beginning. So there's a couple of reasons that John starts at the beginning with the creation accounts in Genesis. One of the reasons he starts there is to answer the question, how did everything get here? And what John reminds us is that God put it there and that Jesus was a part of putting it there. And let's be honest, at many points, our, our belief system, our faith, our religion requires a leap of faith. But to be also honest, everything else requires a leap of faith too. I mean, even science requires a leap of faith. You have to have a few a priori assumptions that you begin with in science too. There's a lot of questions that science can't answer. Things like, what happened in the moment before everything began. What was there? How did it start? Science really can't answer that question. If you were able to rewind time, and if you were able to go back to one nanosecond before, boom, there was creation, it takes a, a leap of faith to answer that question, whether it's from a scientific perspective or from a religious or philosophical perspective. And basically what you have to do is decide for yourself what leap of faith you want to take. You kind of have to look at the beginning and you also have to look at the end and you have to decide where you're gonna put your faith. Because at the very beginning, you've got to decide whether things pretty much just kind of self-generated or there was a God behind it all who created it. And then you have to look at the end and you have to say, when you die or when someone you love dies, 
is it really just meaningless? Is it just a collection of random atoms and molecules that came together? Can you really take that leap at the end of life when you're looking at somebody that you loved? Or do you choose to believe that that person was created in the image of a good and loving and benevolent God? You've got to make a choice there. You've got to take a leap of faith. And you can leap towards peace and wholeness, or you can leap towards chaos and meaninglessness. But both of those require you to take a leap of faith. So John wants us to understand that God put stuff together and that Jesus was there when it was all created. And then John wants us to deal with who is this God who created everything? What can we know about him? So we know that we can know God through creation. I mean, Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies show his handiwork. Day into day they utter forth speech. It shows, if you look around, you look at the beauty of the sky, you look at the trees and you go, gee, there, there must be a God. So we know that God speaks through creation, reveals himself through that. But John wants to say, God also reveals himself through Jesus. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. This great God who creates everything also reveals himself in Jesus. So if you want to know who God is, if you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. Next, John kind of wants us to be involved in the majesty and glory of not just God, but God's creation and God's whole plan. And, and I think what John is doing here, I, I kind of see as like a funnel. It, you, you start with the majesty of glory and glory of God in creation. Um, I mean, in the, the picture of God creating everything that we know and love and enjoy, and he just speaks it into existence. There are no other building blocks for that. The, the big theological term for that is ex nihilo. God creates everything from nothing. And that's important because we proclaim and we worship a God who is all-powerful. His word can accomplish things. God speaks everything into existence. Sunrises and sunsets, the infinite creativity of creation, the beauty of the things that are around us, the smiles of babies, you know, the moments of love and joy, that's all created by God's hand. I mean, what kind of God, what kind of majestic, amazing God can do that? And so John starts with this big, huge God who is majestic and glorious. And then the funnel comes down, all the way down to, and the Word, who was God, who is God, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. What kind of God does that? And John says, look at Jesus, that kind of God. So John gives us this picture of the creating God, the God who sustains everything, has now become the redeeming God who enters into our lives. And if you think about it, that's stunning. That's the portrait that John is painting for us of who God is and how Jesus fits into that plan. It's breathtaking. And John uses some interesting ways to explain this to us. He talks here in the beginning verses about the word. And that word is logos in, in Greek. And you can do an enormously deep dive into Greek philosophy that'll basically just make your head swim. 
And I don't think that's really what John is about. I don't think John really wants to introduce this philosophical conversation here. I mean, it's there, and John's obviously a bright guy. But this is how I prefer to look at what's going on there. Words are how we communicate. And I think that has more of the meaning that John is getting at. Jesus is how God communicates to us. Jesus is the Word of God. We use words to communicate with one another, and God has used Jesus to communicate with us. So then, if, God, if Jesus is the way that God communicates to us, who he is, what he's like, what his plan is, what does God communicate through Jesus? What's revealed about God in Jesus? And it's interesting, at least to me, to note that in his gospel, John makes a pretty quick transition from word. We don't hear too much more about word because he sets this up, I think, like this, that God is going to communicate who he is like through Jesus. And he moves pretty quickly to light. And light is infused. See what I just did that? All the way through the gospel of John. That's what he talks about most. Verse 4, he says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's really what John is getting at, and that's really what he's trying to help us understand about God, is that we're involved in this cosmic struggle between light and dark, good and evil, and evil doesn't win. And John lets us know this right at the beginning. In him was life, and that light was the light of all people. Now, Jesus makes those claims about himself. One of the I am sayings in John is, I am the way and the truth and the life. Now, sometimes, I think we get a bad rap. I mean, there, there's all sorts of things that we need to grow in as Christians. I'm not saying that we're perfect. We certainly aren't. Uh, but, but sometimes I think that there's some misunderstanding and, and we can look a little bit bigoted or biased because we think that Jesus is the only way. And I think that Jesus' statements about being the way, the truth, and the life shouldn't be viewed so much as being exclusionary as much as that they are pointing to this amazing display of God's love. We need help. We need to be fixed. We're broken. We need to be made whole. And God has made a way. And the way is Jesus. That's how I think we need to think about that. Jesus is the life. Jesus brings us life out of death. That's what he's getting at. Jesus is the light. Um, and the light is, you know, shows us where we're going. The light cleanses things. Sunlight is a disinfectant. There's so much richness that's going on there. Light shows us the, the path, reveals things to us. All of that is, is part of it. The light coming into the darkness. And in fact, one of the, the, about the only time we ever read this passage is at Christmas. And that's why it's kind of fun to do it now. And the reason that we do it at Christmas is because of the birth of Jesus, obviously, but it's because of the idea of light coming back in. It's tied to, um, it's tied to wintertime and being dark and the picture, uh, the metaphor of Jesus, the light of the world being born into our darkness and giving us the hope that the light will come back. So that's all in there. But then John also says, not only is he life and he light and light, but in verse 14, which I read, he says, we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. That's the other part, right in these few verses that Jesus reveals to us about God. 
God is full of grace and God is full of truth. We desperately need grace, but we also need truth. And I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you why they're, they're put together. Because one without the other doesn't function too well. Grace without any truth doesn't help anybody and just leads to license and nobody grows. Truth without grace just ends up being harsh and creating bitter and mean people. But put those two together, graciousness and being truthful, and that's the winning passage. We need to have both of them. I mean, everybody knows that we are in need of grace. I'm in need of grace. You know, I need to be cut slack by people, and I'm grateful that God does that um, in Jesus. But we also need truth. And I think the last couple of years have pointed out one of the reasons behind that. There is so much misinformation out there. There are so many people who are spouting falsehoods or outright lies that I think most of us have learned that the truth is a valuable thing to have and that sometimes we, we have to spend a lot of time trying to find it. Jesus promises us the truth because Jesus is the truth. Jesus promises to tell us the truth. And I think that's a really important emphasis for us as Christians because we have the opportunity in Jesus to acknowledge the truth about ourselves. It's actually one of the great glories of Christianity. We can acknowledge that we have messed up. We can acknowledge that we are imperfect. We can acknowledge that we need help. We can acknowledge that. God invites us to acknowledge that because God has made a way for us to be fixed. Christianity, one of the great truths of Christianity is that it points out the obvious fact that we are a mess and that our lives are a mess sometimes, but it also holds out the truth that we can be fixed. And Jesus reveals a God who's interested in fixing us. In verse 5, it says that the light has come into the world. The verb tense, I think, is really interesting because what it, the verb tense is, is that the light is appearing in the world. And I like that because it connotes movement. It's like we're in this dark situation and the light appears and the light comes and the light enters into our dark spaces. And I like the idea of God approaching us, God coming towards us in our darkness. Jesus reveals a God who comes toward us. And now we've talked about, you know, Jesus being God, about this great God who reveals himself in him, about his glory, about his love, about his grace, about truth. But Jesus also leaves us with a job. We are in many ways the word of God to people. We are in many ways the light now that pierces the darkness as we go out into our world. And I love this idea. As you appear on Monday morning, wherever it is you show up, the light appears with you. As you go into the darkness, the light appears and you're sent as a representative, as a person to show what God looks like like. God communicates through the word, and now God communicates through us. We're in this 10-week series of Rooted, 
where we're going into the foundational aspects of our faith. And this week we're learning about who God is and how he interacts with us. And we're remembering the story and how we're called to, be, to fit into it. And we're remembering the character of who God is. This came across me this week, why this is so important, of knowing who God is. Uh, one of my long-term friends, uh, we go way back to college days, um, her husband has been in the ICU, intubated on a ventilator for 20 days now, uh, as, as I'm taping this, for 20 days. He was sick for 10 days before that, so for an entire month, he has been really, really ill with COVID. And there have been different, um, different prognoses that have been given. And the, one that, the two that have stuck with her is that, according to her doctor, I'm not a medical person, um, that two-thirds of the people who go on ventilators eventually die. So she's holding on to the one-third thing. And then the doctor told her that her husband has only a 5% chance of survival. And every day she posts on her caring a bridge page and every day she ends whatever she has to say whether it is just a little bit of good news or whether it's more bad news every day her last line is my hope is in God and it's because she has found that God is present with her through the good times and even through the bad and that's the type of God who reveals himself to us and that's the type of God that we're discovering so let me ask you three questions Number one, what does it mean to you that the God who created the universe is interested in you? Number two, what mess do you need God's help with this week? And number three, where can your light appear in the darkness this week?